Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. Here we talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter what the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing, folks. Hi, and welcome to The Power of Reinvention. I'm super excited. My guest today is Jennifer Justice. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. I am absolutely thrilled. Jennifer, you and I go years back, but really haven't had a chance to spend a lot of time together. But because of our mutual friends and touching base here and there, I was just so excited to be able to have you on here. And um, you have your podcast, Taking Care of Lady Business, which, you know, you, you know this medium well, and you have covered so many incredible topics and conversations in there. And I hope that we get to do the same today. Um, for those tuning in, The Power of Reinvention was launched on the heels of my book that came out just on the early days of the pandemic. Ironically, The Power of Reinvention is sort of the follow-up to Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, And uh, I have had the privilege of talking to hundreds, literally, of amazing men and women over the last three and a half years on both the Reinvention Virtual Chat and on the podcast and sharing stories of inspiration and motivation and, you know, these aha moments, as I like to call them, that we have in our life when we're at a crossroads and uh, question which way to go, what's good for us. And if we're not doing that, maybe we could be or should be doing that. And uh, we're going to discuss all of that today. So Jennifer, I'm just going to give a little background for those who may not know you, and then we're going to delve into our conversation. So Jennifer is an entrepreneur and a a fourth, sorry, Jennifer is an entrepreneur and former entertainment executive known for expertise in building artists' careers and business portfolios by marrying art and commerce. From the beginning of her career, she has championed gender equality and diversity in the workplace and beyond. And as general counsel and EVP at Rock Nation, she helped structure the vision and growth of Rock Nation. She worked closely with Jay-Z and Beyonce as their personal attorneys. And in 2019, she founded the Justice Department. Just love the name of your company. You're like me. I've got the Sharp Alliance. I was given a great name at birth. (laughs) And you too have the perfect one, especially for what you do. And the Justice Department is a business development. I I love it. It's a business development, management strategy, and legal firm that works with female entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands and the areas of in the areas of sorry and creatives to build and maximize their value focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. And Jennifer is an extremely accomplished woman who has done so much. She hosts her incredible podcast, Taking Care of Lady Business, has been named a game changer by Goop. 
by In Style as one of the 50 badass women changing the world and on Billboard's Women in Power list three times and is an extraordinary mother of two young kids that are turning 10 this week. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being on here. There's so much I want to delve into with you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you hear those things, you're like, wait, is that me? <laughs> I know. I know, right? And it, and it's extraordinary when you just think about, you go about your business doing what you love, what you're passionate about, what you kind of fell into in some cases, and you wake up 10 years later and say, what am I doing? Where am I in my life? And is this where mm-hmm. I really want to be? And frankly, the whole topic of reinvention is really about asking ourselves those questions and feeling entitled. And I speak a lot about feeling entitled in life to be who you want to be, to do what you want to be doing. And we are the center of our own universe. So if if we can't do that for ourselves and advocate for ourselves, then who on earth is going to do that? So this is really the center of, of every conversation I have with people is really taking the time to check in with ourselves and asking ourselves these types of questions. And, you know, it's funny because there is a chapter in the book called, Hello, Are You Still In There? And it takes me back to this question that I really love to start my interview with, which is, who was little Jennifer? What was it when you were 5 or 10 or 15 years old that you envisioned that you were going to be doing with your life? Are you doing anything close to what you envisioned? Were there early signs? You know, you were the negotiator at the dinner table. (laughs) Are there things that you're doing that are showing up now and going, oh, yeah, you know, that there were early signs of that somewhere along the way. So who was that little girl? Yeah, well, definitely. You know, I'm from um, a very, um, you know, kind of blue collar town, um, you know, that was just like honest working, hardworking loggers. And, you know, my mom didn't graduate from high school, had kids very young. I'm the first generation going to college. And I definitely was an outlier because I never wanted to follow in those footsteps. I never wanted to just like get married and have kids and, and kind of, you know, be a housewife and stay around, which is, you know, great, you know, for many, many people. It's just, I was, you know, and that's what all the women in my family did. But I never wanted to do it. And I always wanted to be a businesswoman and always wanted to move to a bigger city. I didn't know that that bigger city was going to be New York. I thought maybe it was on the West Coast. But then I got into law school at Cornell and I came to New York and I was like, this is my city. Because I never really felt connected to everywhere else I had been living. Yeah. Which is all Washington State and Seattle where I went to college. Um, And then uh, I came here. And so, yes, in a way, I didn't know exactly what I would be doing, but I knew I would be living in a city and doing something totally different than what I had seen women in my life doing. Right. And that's so interesting because so much of what you're doing at the moment is very focused around women and advocating a lot in in sort of that space. And you, you sort of put yourself on this trajectory to create this incredible career for yourself. When you got out of college, did you have an idea of what you wanted to start practicing, where you wanted to take that? You know, we see so many people no, with law degrees, like kind of trying to figure out whether, you know, which, which of the many routes they can take. So, yeah, sorry. 
Well, out of law school, yes. Out of, out of college, no. I didn't know I wanted to go to law school. I went to law school because I didn't know what else to do because I didn't have any mentors in the business kind of world. Mm. And, you know, I was getting sent on wine distribution and insurance sales from the career center. And I was like, this is not at all what I want to be doing. And so I was like, you know what? I guess we have to like go further. And I was like, what's on TV? Doctors, lawyers, you know, FBI. <laughs> It's still the same thing. It's really kind of crazy. It is, right? And I was like, I'll be a lawyer. And, you know, I was in Seattle and Seattle's known for big music capital. I was a really big fan of music in general and found out through, you know, a friend that was in a big band that, you know, they had lawyers and they, and they were women. And so I, I went to law school wanting to be a music entertainment attorney. I didn't know right. how hard it was to get in at the time, but that's why I went. So when you, what was that point when you were in law school that you started to feel that, okay, when I come out on the other side, I really have that clarity or was, you know, what was sort of that trajectory? Were you worried that you wouldn't know then where and how to kind of apply yourself coming out of college? Did you have a sense that yeah, it was, I was coming out of college? Be- so when I went to law school, I, mean, sorry, I, I solely I went to law school. school yes. Too. Yeah. Sorry. I meant, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Law school. I, I meant like I, I wanted to be a music attorney and I was solely focused on being a music attorney, okay. you know? So you were very Other focused. My classmates. Yeah. I was very focused on it because I, I, in, and I, when you're at a, a law school at Cornell, you know, you get pitched to be in these big wall street firms and, you know, doing general litigation or big corporate stuff, you know, you know, right. really representing these big, you know, Fortune 500 companies, et cetera. And I was super ambitious and I really wanted to do well. And I knew that I wasn't going to go anywhere if I didn't have those clients. And how was I getting those clients? I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't connected. I didn't know the parents of, you know, my friend who I went to boarding school with that was the GC at, you know, whatever XYZ company. And that's how you get the client. Yeah. And, but I did know and, and could relate to on a creative level, you know, music. Most of the people are from my background who are musicians. I could, I could, you know, relate to them on that level. And I did, and I did, and I did really well, really early on once I became a music attorney. That's amazing. So was there sort of a level of um, trepidation, a level of fear of how you were going to make a career out of this or make a living out of this business at any point? I mean, not necessarily. Once once I got hired, I mean, obviously I had a salary, but, you know, once I started doing it, I realized very quickly that... um, that I would do well because I, I knew how to talk to the artists and I didn't, I wasn't um, a fan. Like I really understood where they were coming from. I understood their vulnerabilities and, you know, the side that they don't portray out. I understood how to speak to them. I understood all of their insecurities. They're only as good as their last hit. You know what I mean? It's very fickle fan base and audiences and, you know, um, and, and, you know, the reviewers and the critics, and I understood that life on the road is very lonely, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's super glamorous, but it's like you're going from day to day to day. You, you don't know where you are one day to the next, you know? 
You know, it's interesting that you say that because I think so many people don't realize, and, you know, I live in LA or Hollywood and, you know, we deal with a lot of that, a lot of the talent, a lot of the personalities. And I find this very much so as well, even in corporate America, when you're dealing with very high level executive CEOs of companies and, you know, there's always the expression of, you know, they're like everybody, they put their, you know, their pants on one leg at a time. And it sounds like you had a real knack for feeling like, you know, I need to not glorify who this human being is. They are a person with goals and dreams and passions and wishes, and I'm here to help facilitate what they need. And that sounds like that was very innate in you um, to be that person, to be able to take all the smarts and skills and everything that you had been educated on on the business side, but be able to apply that in a world where that's not always the case, you know, with talent. Yeah, it sounds like it was amazing. Amazing part. True, of it's not only it's not always the case with talent. But I mean, you know, look, it's it's um, it's definitely a skill, and but it was it wasn't going to serve me if I was just a fan and telling me what they wanted to hear. You know what I mean? I have I'm an, I, I had to be an advocate for them. Right. So it was like you know it was necessary to to be honest, you know, and to provide them a good service. Right. Any moments of tough love that you can share without sharing names of, you know, Oh, I mean, there's a ton, but you know, unfortunately I have a lot of confidentialities, you know, (laughs) there you go. Um, You know, there was some, you know, there's this one and and it happened a long time ago and it's not anybody who is obvious that I, you know, have named that, you know, you name that I worked with, but I remember them kind of overreaching um, on a deal we were negotiating and, you know, just really wanting so much. And I am totally fine asking, you know, for what I, I know is fair and what, you know, our artist deserves. But this one was in particular, it's like super overreaching and was like, I should get a house, you know? And I was like, you haven't sold a record for these people right now. I should get a house. I'm the <laughs> one who's actually shown value here. And he was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I'm working on it. he never really yeah. had the success where he would have warranted them buying a house, but you know. Right. Um, well, but that's, but so, that's you know, the But I've done it both ways. And I, I, I you know, uh, most of the time you're, they're completely underestimated by the labels and, you know, they're, you know, you're better off getting a ton of money when you've never sold a record before versus people who sold and you're trying to like get it out of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah. So that was my tough love to an artist situation. I have a million of tough, that's not tough love. It's just like tough negotiation with protecting my artists though. Yeah. Right. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm, I'm sure there's a massive amount of appreciation for you to have, to have someone like you in their corner had to have been huge. What was some of the more challenging moments just from a career standpoint for you being a woman? Um, being in the music business, you know, we've all heard, you know, some crazy stories about things that have gone on over the over the years in, in the industry, if you will. Um, were there challenging moments as a woman in the business that you sort of dug well, your heels yeah, in? Literally? I mean, definitely. Yeah. I was, you know, there were there were many, you know, music industry is full of a certain archetype and it's usually a man who has a stay at home wife. And, um, and so just by that nature of that archetype, you know, nine, 99% of the men who work in the music industry are that archetype to this day globally. Yeah. And so there seems to be a certain role that women play regardless of their C-suite level or not. And, um, you know, so even starting out, it's like, you know, referred to as, you know, 
the big boobed blonde that reps Jay, you know, it's like, it wasn't like called Jeez. by name, you right. know, and then representing, um, that was by Russell Simmons, by the way, in front of, you know, a 25 people at a, at a, whoa, um, at a staff meeting. Um, and then, you know, then there's other ones where you're like, I was representing women in particular executives and, you know, the excuse for not paying them equal to their male counterparts because music industry is very small. So you pretty much know what everybody is making. Yeah. And, you know, I'm talking about male counterparts literally in the exact same label in the exact same position. Well, you know, their husband makes a lot of money or it's just like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. It's just no. like, oh, we got to take it for the team. No. Well, well they, pro- you know, those guys provide, you know, for their whole family. Their wife doesn't work. Back to like. Yeah. No, yeah. that's just wrong. It's, you know, uh, I mean, and, look, and still, that, that's not 20 years ago. That's now, by the way. Was, so that's, that's actually a really interesting point because there is so much action and so much conversation, more than action, um, so much impact that incredible people, yourself being one of them, Shelly Zalas and the female quotient, you know, we can name on, you know, probably yeah. two hands, some extraordinary women we know who are out there advocating, you know, pushing the agenda, pushing the conversation, creating a change in the pay gap and the gender equality and the issues that are really, you know, right now really trying to impact that. And yet, you know, they say it's going to be, you know, 30, 40 years before we actually see some kind of equalization in, in all of this. And it's absurd. There's no reason. I mean, look, I've been running my own business for over 30 years and I never asked for permission <laughs> for anything. I've taken everything that I've wanted. I established our, our fees as an agency from a very early stage. And I never questioned whether I was a woman or a man. I was a person doing business. How do we empower this yeah. generation to have the confidence to, to understand and have that voice and, you know, really affect that change faster? Well, I just want to give one correction. It's actually 200 years in the okay. U.S. before women Sorry. will make the same yeah. as men at the rate we're going. Okay. Um, that is You're right. all women of all races. You yes. know, white yes. women, it's still 70 years. Yes, 70 um, was the number. And the amount recently. of venture funding we're going to, we get has gone, actually gone backwards, unfortunately. I've heard that, yep. Um, which is only yep. 2%. We got to 3% a couple of years ago. Now it's at yeah. back at 2 Now it's gone back to exactly um, yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's dismal, but at the same time, it's, we've never had it where we have women who are over it, you know, before we're like, okay, we'll, you know, we'll just shut up and take it because we got it. Like we want to stay in the room, but now it's like, we have a society that's not going to, you know, you know, basically Gen X who's not going to take it anymore and in C-suite levels. We have millennials and Gen Zs who are like, no, I'm not even going to work at a place that's going to be like that. And in particular, Gen Z who, you know, it's places are having a hard time finding people to work for them because they have a horrible toxic work environment and, you know, dinosaurs become extinct. So, yeah. you know, and it's the first time we've had four generations working in, in, in workplaces, you know, from Gen Z to baby boomers. And, um, it's just not, it's just not okay anymore. You know, I mean, that's a and fascinating it's a while for the patriarchy to step up. Yeah. yeah. No, pl- please keep going. 
No, it's just that, you know, it's like it's taking a while for the patriarchy to step up and, you know, but companies who know they have to do it, they don't like to, you know, because it's a lot of change, but they know they have to do it. And it's just, it's constantly being brought up and it's, it's not going to stop, you know, and that's what's so great is after post Me Too, post the pandemic, when people are like, oh my God, right. You know, if you have kids in particular, you really do work a lot more. Yes. You know, um, yeah, and no, so it's fascinating it's, what you just said like about. 20, you know, sorry, I was going to say the four the ahead, four generations ahead. in the workplace, like just the notion of that yeah. and where we're at, and the influence of what might be a seventy year old employee over you know the twenty two year old that is walking in the door, and you know it's it's a really interesting scenario when you say that to think of that, that there are these generations, you think about what that 70 year old was experiencing when they walked into the workplace 50 years ago and the world we were living yeah. in, and they're probably seeing incredible progress, but we're still fighting and, and climbing hard to try to change yeah. that. Right. Yeah. This is 70 year old. If it was a man, you know, um, if he's man, you know, women couldn't wear, A, didn't work. They weren't in executive positions. They couldn't wear pants. They couldn't have own a home and they couldn't have a, their own credit card. Unreal. Like, by the Unreal. way, they couldn't have a credit card until they're the late 80s. That's crazy. Yeah, that is absurd to even think of that, really. I mean, yeah. I'm just... just it's not that long ago. I know. That's why I'm like, I'm doing the math and I'm thinking, you know, where was I in the late 80s? And I was like, I had a checkbook and, you know, like just just like the things in our life at that point and where we were at for as a society and probably yeah. oblivious. I mean, look, we have platforms and communication tools these days to be having these conversations and goodness knows that's what's accelerating the agenda and the dialogue and the discourse around these issues because it's enabling us to do this, to have a, a conversation, make sure it's amplified, continue to build on that. And that is also helpful because the, the technology and the yeah. tools that we have to do this enable us to really address these important issues and make that Im important to the conversation. Um it, yeah. it is just kind of mind blowing when you think about how long it's going to take and why, you know, and yeah. folks are too comfortable being comfortable and they've got to get uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. It's crazy. Um, are you finding, so when you decided to leave Rock Nation and start your own company, I mean, at this point, you're feeling, you know, probably very secure in your business, your expertise and what have you. What was that moment like for you when you decided and we're experiencing so many people, probably our peers who have been working the corporate thing for 20, 30 years and then have a certain maturity, expertise and capability and passion to go create their own business. So what was that like for you? Uh, you know, I'd kind of done it before because when you're a partner in a law firm, you know, you kind of have, you know, you, you run your own business, so to speak. So it wasn't as scary as um, you would think. And, you know, of course I was, I was scared and fearful and I didn't know I would get clients, but it happened pretty quickly because I wasn't doing anything differently than I'd done before. 
I was just doing it on my own. You know what I mean? And really what I thought is like, why didn't I do this sooner? Um, You know, I'm I'm grateful for all the different experiences that I got and all the different places that I got them. But, you know, working for yourself is great. (laughs) You know, um, building your own company that is yours and you don't answer to other people. And it's just so nice. Well, I was going to ask you, why did you want to do it? But I think you just answered that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. I was tired of making money for other people, honestly. In particular, I was making money for men by day and trying to overthrow the patriarchy at night. And I was like, I got to walk the talk, you know? Good for you. Good for you. That's incredible. Yeah. And um, what was that like? You you know, as far as like kind of owning your own business, as I've done for 30 years, you know, we wear a lot of hats. You know, we have a lot of roles and we never sleep because it's always on our mind. Um, were mm-hmm. you, was yeah, there there's a no real vacation? There's no, there is no vacation, right? I always say when I'm on vacation, yeah. I'd rather be on the beach in wherever, Hawaii, Mexico, knowing what's going on that keeps me calm than putting my phone away for three days and having no idea what's going on, right? And, uh, I know that that's, it's always a challenge, but it's also a passion and it's a passion when it's ours and it's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. So how do you fit mentors into your world? Um, I mean, I don't really like do it as an organized way. It's like I work with a lot of different women and we provide each other different kinds of expertise and insight and services, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Like I have peers that uh, do different things than I do and I seek their advice. I have younger women who are clients that obviously are getting my advice, you know, and it just is like an amazing matriarchal circle that we're building. Amazing. And are you part of a handful of organizations or um, entities where there's a lot of this um, advocating sort of conversation going on? Are there things that you're doing? I know your podcast clearly speaks to being a lady boss, which is incredible. And I know a lot of conversations like that take place. But um, what else are you you sort of involved with personally just to sort of really engage in that further? Yeah, I, you know, look, obviously, yeah, taking care of lady business. My podcast is why I started it because Sorry, lady business. I wanted advice for women by women in the in in, a, in the business aspect, right? As well intentioned as men are in giving us advice in business and starting businesses, they, we don't have the same experiences. Even just yeah. just the, just the statistic of two percent of women get venture funding, where that means ninety eight percent of men get it. You know, our chances are a lot smaller. So it's really difficult for them to give us advice that we can actually take, right? What works for them does not obviously work for us. And so, you know, I just wanted, I wanted women who own their own companies and who provide money and are partners in big firms that give out money or women who've started their own companies to talk about their experiences. And it's really three parts. It's like, you know, so you can talk about your business. If somebody wants to hire you, great. Or if you're starting out in business and you want to be that person and you want to work for that person, great. And then real tips and, you know, good things that you've done, bad things you've done. And everybody tells their worst advice ever, which every woman has. Because we've all gotten really bad advice because we got from men, mostly because they don't know what it's like to sit in our shoes. 
And then, you know, I'm in the, I'm in many different organizations from the female founder collective, which is also a client Same. of mine to business yeah. class, which is also a client of mine them. to yeah. with the We Suite, um, to, uh, the What Alliance and, you know, Hey Mama. So, you know, the luminary, I try to like support all of them. Um, and you know, it's like so many women helping each other, giving each other, um, you know, great advice, et cetera. So, yeah. uh, you know, you can always ask, you know, I need an X, Y, Z, or what have you done in this kind of situation? And it's always, um, it's amazing. You know, you well, that's get responses. Yeah. People are really willing to help. And I think that's, what's incredible. I'm part of the female founder collective and just did an incredible workshop just a couple of weeks ago, a weeks ago. And, you know, the ability to pay it forward, to have these conversations, to give a platform, you know, to a voice to so many that are trying to, have the confidence that we have doing what we do and being a part. And there are such extraordinary groups and people that are, are really at the forefront of making sure that there is a space and a voice and a place that connects people. And we're just seeing such an elevation of this, which is incredible. And, you know, when it comes to business, when it comes to wanting to do our own thing, you know, be an entrepreneur, build our own companies, have a voice within a company, um, you know, asking for that raise, asking for that, you know, equal pay, there can never be enough support in that, you know. And I know for me, when I started out, there was none of that. But somehow, someway, I think I got the right parents who gave me the tools to have the confidence and and the chutzpah probably to, you know, to really just, you know, do what I wanted. And it was never really a question, but it's complicated now. It's complicated and there are more rules in place which require people having to sort of really navigate around that. So I really wanted to have you here today to be able to sort of share in this conversation because I know it's such an incredible space and a, and a journey that you've navigated. And so I'm so appreciative of your voice and your perspective on this. So, you know, it, it's it's really important. <laughs> And, uh, sorry, I'm going to let you cough. I know poor Jennifer's got a bit of a cold. I know she's got a bit of a cold. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you for being able to just, you know, I'm having a little coughing fit. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, would you find that there were certain challenges for you along the way? There were hurdles that, that you felt, you know, with sort of a moment where you were like, wow, what am I doing? Maybe I should go back to working for other people. I'm trying to raise two children. I'm juggling clients. I'm running a business. Yeah, always. I mean, it can be overwhelming, right? I mean, probably daily almost, but like <clears throat> it's fleeting because when you think about how silenced you are for the most part, when you're in another company with somebody else's vision mm-hmm. and you know that there's really no security in that anyway. And what your salary is, it's pretty limited. And what you can do is pretty limited that, you know, I was like, there's just no way I could go back to that. <laughs> yeah. No. You have that little reminder, yeah. that epiphany. I know sometimes you're like, I'm yeah. the one doing this at two o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't be doing this if somebody else was running that company and I was just doing my job, but yeah, the joy yeah. Of it. but it's like all those luxuries. And that's what I find when people get so trapped. It's like, oh, but I don't want to do that. My assistant does that. I was like, first of all, like, who cares? 
You know what I mean? And yeah. secondly, yeah. like you can hire people by the hour. You don't have to have, you know, it's like people get very comfortable in those expense accounts, but they don't really exist that much anymore. You know, yeah, you get so caught up in like flying first class and you're just like, who cares? It's four yeah. hours of your life. Right. Read a book, sit in your chair, head down. What does it matter how much foot foot space you have? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does, you know, but it's like at the same time, is it worth, you know, $5,000 more if you own your own company? No, definitely not. Yeah. No, but that's you know? very practical, very practical advice and, and, and sort of thinking there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are stunted by their fear of failure. And, you know, sometimes they're frozen, they're paralyzed by it. They're so worried that they won't take that risk. What kind of advice would you give to folks who are sitting here listening to this going, but I'm so afraid that I will fail at what I do if I try? Well, you will fail. Everybody fails. You don't learn anything unless you fail. And you got to learn how to fail over and over and over again. I fail every day, you know? Um, So... If, you know, if you're, if, if that's the only thing holding you back, you've already failed many times in your life. You just got to mm-hmm. accept that you have failed, you know, and what's worse, like regret, you know, or, or, you know, trying something and failing. Yeah. No. Well, well, beautifully said. And I think that's such a huge message for people to understand. This fear is what's paralyzing you. You get to the other side and you learn from it. You grow from it. And, you know, I always say, don't get too stuck in what you think you want to do. There's going to be five ways to get there. And if one way doesn't work out, you'll find another way to get there. It may take longer. It may take shorter. There may be more bumps in the road than you expected, but just go, you know, just discover. Um, I love that. Any special sort of daily mantras or practices or things that you do to sort of keep your energy level and, and your mindset right with all that you juggle in your life? Not really daily kind of things, but, you know, I do try to like exercise and get like, you know, my mind, I'm not very great at, I'm not very good at meditating, you know, so I try to use exercises and meditation and I try to really set boundaries and stop work by a certain hour and really like not answer emails after like, I might write the email, but I won't push send, you know what I mean? So I don't just get it off your mind. Yeah. And I don't let people think that that I'm available at all times, but that took me a long time to do. You know, it used to be like I'd I'd respond immediately and then, you know, God was with, you know, the smartphone, it just made it 10 times worse. So uh, the ability to check your emails at all times, you know. But it's I know such myself a yin and I know when I It's need, such like, a yin yang for all of us. Right? It's like, yeah. I can just get it done and off my desk yeah. and I don't have to deal with it tomorrow. It doesn't matter that it's 10 o'clock at night. They'll read it when they want. And then part of it's like going, put it down. Just you don't know what's there yeah. if you don't look, right? Yeah. True. I love it. Well, I, as we wrap up, I have a fun question to ask you. Um, I know over your career, you have met some incredible people and probably been touched and um, in, in so many interesting ways um, by those that have come across your path. If you were to have a dinner party and could have three or four people who really would be fun and interesting for you to have a glass of wine and break bread with who might they be dead or alive? Oh, that is a really difficult question. 
honestly, because I find that there are so many women I'm just finding out about now that did all these incredible things. Like I didn't know that Betty Ford was a massive advocate for the ERA and tried to get it passed through like, well, in the White House while like having an office. She was amazing. Did you watch the the series? She was an alcoholic. She also was responsible for all women getting mammograms because she came out and said she had breast cancer. Exactly. She was incredible. By the way, you know, Rummy and uh, Donald Rumsfeld. She was amazing. Did you watch the President's Wives series on Showtime? That's where I found out. Oh my God, I know. I was blown away by her. Yes. Yeah. I'm just like pissed. I didn't know anything about her, you know? She was extraordinary. Um. Yeah, even though her husband was a Republican, like yeah, no, you know, just, just that crazy. whole that whole, it was fascinating watching that actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much I could never limit it to to three. Anybody who was going through and fighting for equal rights or civil rights or anything like that, I find like and getting the real story of really what happened instead of what we were taught in school, exactly. I think would be amazing. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. To have it at the dinner table. Yeah. Um, and I think there's so many unknowns in that, that yeah. it's just, um, that's what drives me crazy. There's somebody uh-huh. else that's escaping me right now. I know that I had the same feeling as somebody, like a documentary or something that I saw. I was like, I had no idea this person did that stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, that, And I'm glad that, that women's voices are finally being out there and being heard. Because it can't just be Gloria Steinem and Hillary Clinton and Oprah. It just can't. You know, no. there's so many more women out there that have done incredible things, but nobody's giving them any of the benefit of the doubt or, or telling the true story behind it, you know? Yeah. And I, you're right. And I, look, I love that we are living in a world where the platforms, the, you know, the, the ability and the, the space to tell and to share these stories is now there. And there are such incredible people like our friends at Hello Sunshine and people who are really digging into the possibility and creating that. And, you know, we're seeing more and more of it. And it it is wonderful that there will never be enough. And I think you're right. There are so many untold stories that we're just like, we got to look for them. We got to seek them out and we got to share them. And I think that's, you know, part of what yeah. we Yeah. Oh, do. you know what? I remember who it was. It was Pamela Anderson because I saw ah, the, the I heard. You know, TV series, but then I saw the documentary and I'd actually met her once and I really liked her. She was super smart, but nobody got to hear from her side what it did to her career. You know, Tommy was like, oh, amazing. But she was yeah. just like, oh, you know, whatever. You just like to wear no clothes. And it's like, okay, well. I love that. It's, I actually saw insane. like her so being interviewed so and I was like, documentary. yeah, I want to see it. I heard her being interviewed about it and I was like, wow, I need to watch that for, yeah. for all those reasons. So thank you for reminding yeah, me actually. Exactly. Um, no, this is amazing. <laughs> Jennifer, I just love this conversation. I know we're going to continue it in person and I just so appreciate you coming on the power of reinvention today and being Thank able to just so share a bit of your me. background and your journey and your wisdom and all that you're doing. And I'm just so appreciative. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And for those who want to follow or connect with Jennifer, we'll make sure that um, her LinkedIn information is in our show notes. And if you want any more inspiration, motivation, or reinvention content, 
please visit the reinventionexchange.com. You can get my book there, check out old blogs and podcast interviews and virtual chats and just lots of inspired links to amazing, amazing humans that can help you with your reinvention journey. So have an amazing day and week and happy reinventing everybody. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit thereinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs, and listen in to the Reinvention Virtual Chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend. And thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.